We all know the story of Zechariah and what happened in his life and time that he was together. And we're going to look at the song of Zechariah this morning as we continue the songs are going. But I want to just kind of remind you of what went on with Zechariah and, and the time that was there. He was of the line of Aaron, of the priesthood, his wife as well. Elizabeth was from the same family of Aaron and going on through the, through the years that had been a part of that time. And he served in a community where all the, this particular group of priests had a, different divisions who chose to preach. And every time that it was time for one of them to go, they draw, drew lots. And the one who got the lot got the privilege of going into the holy place to burn incense before the Father. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Once your name was drawn and you had that time, it wouldn't happen again. And so this time in Zechariah's life, his, his name was drawn. And he was going to get to go into the temple, to the holy place, and burn incense. The, he was, imagine he was overwhelmed. But you'll remember as he was there, he and his wife didn't have children. And they had always wanted children. But they didn't have any. And while he's there burning incense... Something happened. An angel of the Lord, Gabriel, stood before him person to person and spoke to him. And he said to him that he and Elizabeth were going to have a child, a son. And his name was to be John. Can you imagine? It was, imp it was an impossibility physically for them. They were both way past the age of childbearing and all that was going on. The desires of their heart had long since died. They never expected that to take place. But here in this holy place, in the presence of the living God, the angel of God came and stood before him and said, you'll have a son and you'll name him John. Well, you can imagine, maybe a little skeptical, maybe a little cynical, certainly doubtful, and he asked the angel, how, how, will I, how will I know? I mean, how do I know this is going to be true? And the angel said, I come speaking God's word to you, and because you've doubted the word of God, you'll not be able to speak until the time has been fulfilled. Can you imagine meeting with an angel, being told a miracle is going to happen in your life, and you can't tell anybody? Can't say a word. He can't speak. He can't do. He came out, and the people around him, as he came out of the holy place, knew because of what was going on in his life. Knew somehow that he had experienced the very presence of God, because the Bible says that they recognized that he had been in the presence of God. That God had done something in his life. That was unusual, that was different. I mean, other priests had come and gone, and even going in, and something was so special and so amazing, what an honor it was for him. But now he's been confronted by the angel of God and told that he will be the father of a son. And this son's name would be John. And John would be a child that would grow up to become the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who would get to foretell the truth of the coming Savior and all that was going on as we look at it. And as we say, what an amazing account. As we think about this and as we look at it and then when we time comes the the baby is born and john is brought into the world and they asked the mom what's his name going to be and assumed it would be zechariah because it's just kind of a tradition to name the son after the father and she said john they thought she was off a rocker you know what john where'd john come from 
And they looked at Zechariah, and for the first time, you know, he asked for some paper and, pen, and a pencil. Well, that was a pencil, but they asked for something to write with. And he wrote down his name is John. And from that moment, he got to speak. And that's where we hear the song. He's been silent for nine months. He's not been able to say a word about this miracle that God had done in their lives. And now he holds possibly that son that God had promised him. And in his arms, as he sees that son and he understands the role of that son, he breaks out in song. And that's what we read again. I invite you to stand with me this morning. As we look in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 67 and going through verse 79, and allowing this song, listen to it carefully. Hear what Zechariah is saying. Remember the picture. Get an image. Here's the father with his son for the first time. And he cries, he sings, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days in you. And you could see him looking upon his son. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadows of death, to guide our feet into the way. Pray with me. Father, this morning, as we hear the song from the heart of Zechariah, may we truly allow the wonder and the awe, the excitement, the thrill, the anticipation, and the hope that flooded through Zechariah's heart as he looked upon this promised son. Not fully, I don't think, understanding all that was to come, but knowing somehow that this child would play a role in the promise of the Messiah, in his coming, in the fulfillment of the promises of God through the ages. What an amazing moment that must have been in a time to hold that child of promise. Father, help us today to learn through this song some of the significance of what Christmas was to be in those days, in that moment, in that first time, and how that would be an everlasting thing for us to experience as we remember it year in and year out. Father, teach us this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. There are three things, three words in that song. We don't have time to go through that whole song and deal with the, the wonder of all that's there, but three key words I want to focus on very quickly this morning. 
One is the word come, or that idea that he, pre- he mentioned in his song that you've come to visit. God's come. The second word is redeem. He talks about the redemption that comes and that God has promised. And the third word is the word serve. And those three words stand out as we look at these verses and as we think about them. And they're words that we need to keep in mind for ourselves this morning and realize that when we come to this season of the year at Christmas, and, and I, all of us know that December 25th most likely isn't the day that Christ was born, but it's a day that's been signified to signify that moment, to help us to understand that we can pause for a moment in the busyness of our lives and we can take note of, of a miracle that began and be, would move on through life into a, to a cross and a death and a resurrection and a hope forever for us that we might be saved and being a part of that time as we look and as we see that. And so Zechariah, as he speaks, he, he, he shares this song and he begins with praise just like Mary did in the song we read last week as being he begins blessed be our God that's the place we always need to start folks we always need to be ready and willing to praise our God to offer to him the blessings of our life to thank him for how blessed he has been in our lives and all that he's done for us and being a part of that as he looks at it and as he comes and so he begins with that recognition that God has come that's what he talks about blessed be God because he's come because he's visited us God himself has come to this earth and being a part of that, that's what Christmas is talking about Zechariah's name means the Lord remembered and what a great word from him as he would say to as he would say his very name is reminding us that God remembers his promises that God remembered that in the Garden of Eden, He told Adam and Eve that He would provide a Messiah, that He would provide a Savior, that He would bring someone who would be able to deal with the sin that they had committed, the sin that became a part of all of our lives and a part of what we are as we live out in our humanity. He would deal with that. He would provide an answer for that. And Zechariah's name declares again and again, God remembered. That's why he, he's coming. He remembered that he would send a Savior. He remembered that a Messiah would come to us. He remembered that he promised to us a means by which we could deal with sin in our life. And that's what he's talking about as he deals with this. In a part of a song, Sting wrote these words, Everyone I know is lonely, and God's so far away, and my heart belongs to no one. So now sometimes I pray, please take the space between us and fill it up some way. Folks, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is God filling up the empty spaces of our hearts. Christmas is God coming to fill up the space that, in our lives that, that's missing, that's vacant, that's not what we want it to be, that causes us to keep searching and looking for something in our life. And when we look in our world and we see that so many people live in the vacancy of their hearts, they live in the vacancy of their minds because they have no purpose, they have no plan, they have no idea. They just run from moment to moment, day to day, wishing something could be changed. And something has changed. Christmas. Christmas has changed everything. Christmas has come, that God has come to fill the empty spaces of our hearts. That's what he's saying, God has come. But he goes on to say, not only has he come, but he's come for the purpose of redemption. And we need to pause a moment and remind ourselves what redemption is and what it's all about. See, Christmas should remind us that the great gift of God is redeeming mankind from their sins. God has given us the hope and the promise of redemption that we could know that we could be saved, that we could have our lives taken on and we could know the fulfillment of His promises in our lives as we look at it. See, redemption means to pay the price. To do something to set right that which is wrong. 
Now, you and I can't do that. We can't pay the redemption price that's necessary. We can't make right what we made wrong. God didn't make it wrong. We made it wrong. Our sin separated us from God. And we're separated from Him because of that sin in our lives. And, and as we know that and as we understand that, there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that mankind could do, not from the beginning and not till the end of time, that will make them right with God. Something has to be done. A price has to be paid. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that death has to be met. It has to be paid or God's not holy. God's not righteous. God can't be God if the sinfulness of mankind is not paid for. If the law of God is not satisfied, it can't be done. And so God satisfied the law himself by coming in Jesus Christ and becoming the sacrifice that was necessary for you and for me to be redeemed so that we could be made right with God, so that we could be, that gap of separation could be brought back together and we could be a part of the family of God. That's what Christmas is about, folks. Don't ever think that Christmas is anything less than the love of God being willing to give His only begotten Son that you and I might be able to be forgiven of our sins, that we might be able to stand in the presence of a holy God and know that He sees us through the blood of the Lamb of God and knows that we're pure and holy and forgiven because of what God did for us in Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what Christmas means. Every year Christmas means again and again and again. We've been redeemed. We have been redeemed and that's the purpose of Christmas is to remind us. Because we get so busy even as we've heard in prayers and as we've heard in, in announcements and things. There's so many things going on and we get so busy in our lives we forget that God redeemed us by the power of a sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as we looked at him and as we see. You see, God chose before the foundation of the world to provide a perfect sacrifice that would take care of your sin and my sin and all the sins of mankind if we would be willing to accept the gift of that sacrifice, that Lamb of God. <coughs> Excuse me. If a person is drowning, they don't need someone to stand by watching and saying, you know, if you can't swim, you shouldn't be in water. Kind of dumb for you to get out in the water. What are you doing out in the water if you can't even know how to swim? They don't need someone to stand there and say, you know, if you just try hard, flap your arms more, kick your feet more, maybe you'll go. If you don't get too tired too soon, maybe you'll be able to save yourself. No, what they need is someone that cares enough to reach out their hand and take them by the hand and pull them to safety. That's what Christmas is. We're all lost in our sin. We have nothing that we can do. We cannot save ourselves. And we don't need religion telling us, if you just follow these rules and do these things, everything will be all right in your life. We don't need philosophy telling us, what you know, you just got to get the right view of God and the right idea of this. And if you can look at mankind and understand that all these different things are there, we don't need any of that kind of stuff. Because all that stuff does is leave us drowning in our sin and ultimately dying eternally. What we need is someone 
who loves us enough to say to us, I will come to you and I will take you by the hand and I will pull you from the death that you're dying, that eternal death, and I will bring you unto life, life eternal. And that's what Jesus Christ did. And that's what Christmas is about, that God came in Christ and made himself available to be the very sacrifice that we needed, the very example that we needed, the very life that we needed so that we no longer had to be encaptured by sin and all that it was, but we could be set free and we could live our life. And every Christmas we ought to be reminded that God has reached down to us and He's grabbed us by the hand and He's called us unto life and He's given us the opportunity to live eternally because of His love for us. That's what it means. That's what redemption is about, that we have the opportunity to experience all that God has, God's promise, God's faithful promise to Adam and to Eve is being fulfilled in these very moments. Is Zechariah talking through a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, for John really was the last of the Old Testament prophets. His birth and the birth of the Savior would change history. It was the dawning of a new day. It was the beginning of the hope that could never be taken away. It was the shining of a light that could never be darkened. It was the opportunity that God presented himself to us that we might have the privilege of knowing everlasting life, the gift of God to us through Christ Jesus. But there's a third word that stands out in those verses. Zechariah mentioned it, that we might be able to serve our God, without fear, without trembling, without concern. We can serve God. That's a good word for us today. See, Christmas reminds us that God looks at you and He looks at me and He sees us as people of value, people of worth, people who matter. He sees us as those who He loves so very much that He thought nothing at all about giving Himself fully and completely to us through Jesus Christ and going to the cross for our salvation that we might have life everlasting. He loves you that much. And Christmas is a reminder to us, I matter to God. God loves me. God sees in me value and worth. He gives me a purpose for my life. He has a plan for my life. There's something meaningful about who I am and, and what I can do. My life is never will be wasted. My life will never be insignificant. My life will never be without value because God loves me. And God has called me to Himself. And He's given us the privilege not only to know salvation, but the opportunity to be servants of His, servants of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, servants of the Creator of the universe. We have the privilege to serve Him. Folks, you and I need to be reminded, and Christmas is one of the ways that can remind us that there is no greater service that man can have, no greater task that man can have upon the face of the earth, no greater calling in a person's life, man or woman, than the, service, the call to serve God. Oh, to be president of the, of, of the United States or, or to be the king of some country, to be the wealthiest man that has ever lived, to have more power than any other power, you would have to step down into the gutter. To be those things from where you are, where you are a servant, an ambassador, a person designated by God himself to make a difference in the world in which you live. No one has a greater calling. No one has a greater privilege than you and I have as children of God. 
people of God and the privilege that is ours to be able to serve him and to know him and to be a part of all that he is and all that he's saying. See, that's what he wants us to grab a hold of here. And every see that, every Christmas ought to remind us that God has a plan for my life. That God has a purpose for my being. That I'm not here by accident. I'm not here as a nobody that doesn't matter. I'm here because God planned for me to be here. I'm here because God has a purpose for my life. I'm here because I have the opportunity to serve the greatest king of all kings and, and the creator of the universe. He's, he's called me by name and he's invited me to be a part of his family and he's endowed me with the power and the privilege and the opportunity to share his story with all of you. See, that's what Christmas is about. Zechariah got the story going when it got to share the miracle with that son. Son, you, you're going to go before the Savior. You're going to go tell people the story, the greatest story that's ever told. You're going to go tell people, get ready. God's promise is about to come to pass. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Get ready. The Messiah is fixing to be here to do all God said. And you get to go before him and get to do that, John. You're going to be a part of the greatest story ever told. And you and I have been given that same opportunity, that same privilege to go tell the story. Go tell the story. Go tell everybody. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. It's the most wonderful news that's ever been given. There's no fake news about it. There's nothing made up by anybody. This is the God's very truth that He has sent His Son, Jesus, to come. And Zechariah has been told, Your Son will be the one who will step before Him, and He will not be the Messiah. He's not the Savior. He's not the one that can make any difference. And John understood that. You'll remember He Himself said, I'm not even worthy to tie His sandals. He must increase. I need to decrease. What about John? It's just that he had the opportunity that you and I have to tell people about Jesus. Wow. Man, there's just not anything greater in all the world that you and I have than the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. And, and the great news that God, God the creator, the one who spoke and everything that is became, this God has picked you and me and given us this opportunity to tell the story of Christmas. That God so loved us that he came to us in human form. That he might grow as the perfect sacrifice that once and for all would put himself upon a cross. And die that sacrifice that paid all the price of sin. That covered all of mankind once and for all. Nothing else ever would be needed. Because this child, as he made his way to a cross, from the cross through a tomb, from a tomb to ascend to the Father to come again one day for you and I. That's Christmas. See, you can't separate any of that from Christmas. It's the beginning of the earthly fulfillment of the promise, but the story began before the foundation of the earth. But this Christmas, we, we need to remember with Zechariah, we need to praise, we need to bless God, for he has come. He has come. And he has fulfilled his promise to each and every one of us that he would provide a means by which we could be saved. And in that salvation, He's also given us the gift and the opportunity to serve him. To be able to tell people, you know the greatest thing that ever happened to me? I met Jesus. Been a lot of good things in my life, but nothing will ever compare 
to the fact I get sad sometimes when I hear people say, this was the greatest day of my life because they won a football game. Or even if they had a child. I mean, that's a great, great moment. There's not, that's hard to beat. But nothing beats meeting Jesus. And see, Christmas means he came to introduce himself to us in person. I don't just have to hear about him. He came in order that we might know him. And he lives within us that we might always know that we are the very children of God and we have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about Zechariah's song, it's, it, it's, it's exciting to think about what all the emotions that he and Elizabeth must have had as they experienced this miracle in their lives, as they anticipated the outcome of what God had planned for their son, as they felt the wonder of hope fulfilled. For all the ages before them had longed for the Messiah. And now, in their time, he would come. Christmas reminds us that you visited with us. You came and dwelt among us. You put on human flesh and walked with us. Christmas reminds us that in that coming and in that walking among us, you, you did so in such a, a way that you could become that perfect lamb of sacrifice, very God of God himself, and without sin and without anything in your life that would be able to disgrace life and, and make it less than what it should be. You went without sin, without any kind of thought that was evil, without anything wrong at all, because as the perfect God, the perfect sacrifice, you placed yourself upon a cross that we might be redeemed. John got to tell the story. And we get to tell the story. Christmas reminds us that we have value in your eyes that we have worth in your eyes, that we have significance in your eyes, that we have a purpose and a plan for our life. God, may this Christmas not just be another event in another year, not just another routine observance of a holiday, but it may it become in our hearts, in our minds, a deep, deep impression that overwhelms us with the idea, the reality, the promise. You have come, not just to the world, but to us, each and every one, individually, through Christ Jesus. You have provided for us the gift of salvation, and you have offered to us the privilege of a purpose, a plan for our lives. May we rejoice, Father, in Christmas. May it have meaning for us and not just be routine, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.